Welcome back. Happy Q4. Happy October. Something is different. Javier, where in God's name are you right now? Ooh, I'm at Benzinga headquarters in Detroit, Uh, the 313 America's greatest city, 313. (laughs) My heart, my heart, and I'm not there. I miss you. Dude, dude, it's good to see you. I just saw you in person last week. We had a friggin' blast, man. What a great time. We we hosted our Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. For those who are not aware, for those who missed it, you know, you missed out. Uh, this is our 17th <laughs> Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. We returned to Chicago for two days of a packed agenda. The best speakers in the industry. We had, a, of course, Illinois Governor uh, J.B. Pritzker. We, got, we had uh, Albert Bryan, who's the governor of the U.S. Virgin Islands. We had officials from the FDA that our good friend Elliot booked. We had Alexa from uh, X, formerly Twitter. We had all the major publicly traded companies. Of course, our good friends. Emily and Morgan Paxia from Poseidon Investment the Management. The best. Did I get that right, Morgan? Investment Management. Yes, you did. Yes. Come on. That's what's yeah. up. You know, you know we, 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 of course, can't cover everything, right? You know, there are, there are topics that we didn't get to that, you know, maybe you'll see it our next one when we're at the Diplomat, April 15th through the 17th. Uh, so, so you may see that there maybe on hospitality. Maybe a little bit more on beverages, which we're going to chat with uh, Phil McFarlane from Wink Beverages today. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited about that discussion. Uh, but really, really, really happy with how it turned out. I'm going to give you one stat. We're going to continue to plug ourselves. I'm sorry you're watching our show. It's going to happen. But one stat for you. We had over 1,800 registrants. Nice. Javi, guess guess the percentage of people who attended. 98%. Okay, you can't guess that high. Jesus, Javi, you just ruined it. 92%. If you know oh, anything about events, if you know anything about events, that is ridiculous, right? Yeah, you have mm-hmm. a much higher attrition than that, but people are excited. That's what that tells me. People in this industry are excited. We had great news the morning of our first day on Wednesday, the 27th, with oh, yeah. uh, Safer making it through markup. Um, nine votes against. That was interesting. Uh, but all that being said, it was a ton of optimism. Yeah, ton of cautious optimism. It was a lot of fun, a lot of business. Several thousands of meetings took place at the event. A lot of partnerships happened. I do know of companies that were financed because of the event. Money is there and moving. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit to earn it over the next few months, but it's there. Uh, so, Javi, any last words to, on the event? Yeah, we got to meet some of our, our, our most loyal viewers here. Uh, shout out to El Guapotron, who's always here. Uh, oh, A.H. on the chat as well. Welcome to Cannabis Insider. But, you know, thank you to to all of you who watch consistently, who listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, this is, you know, this wouldn't exist without you. And uh, we really appreciate the love and we love to meet you in person. So whenever you see us around, come say hi. Amen. Thank you all. We'll continue to bring some content your way. Check out Benzinga.com slash cannabis for a lot of recaps. But with that being said, let's just dive into some news. Let's chat about what we missed last week. Uh, maybe our good friend Morgan Paxi at Poseidon Investment Management can help us understand uh, just a bit in AH. Maybe he'll help us address your question. Malia, let's bring him on over. I just realized we never introed the show. Uh, you're watching Cannabis Insider uh, from Benzinga. Thank you so much. Morgan, what's up, my friend? How are you? You guys just dive right in with all the good stuff that happened last week. 
It was a blast, man. It was a blast. We're thrilled to have you there. What'd you think? Did, did you get some value out of being in Chicago last week? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you guys, that, that was a great event. Uh, not enough kudos goes to you guys. I know it's a ton of work, but the content was great. The, uh, it's always good to have good mood. Alexa was awesome at the after party. If people didn't stick around yeah. for the after party, you missed out. Don't skip out early. You got to stick around to the end of these things. You missed Emily's live podcast on stage with Cy. That was mm-hmm. awesome with Chris Crane just bringing back so much history that we all need to remember what it was like. And, you know, he's been at this game since 96. But, yeah, so Ben Zinga, oh. you, guys are, you guys are great. So just oh, wanted to give you. a thank you. Um, you guys should have your own award for best, uh, best in class. Well, check, <laughs> check out that podcast, y'all, High Rise Podcast. I'm sure it'll come out over the next few, uh, next week or two. Um, but, Morgan, really appreciate you being there. Poseidon is a great partner to Ben Zinga. All that said. I think for me, I want to start here and then Javi, I'm sure can has a few mm-hmm. questions himself. What happened last Wednesday morning? What, what exactly took place in the Senate banking committee? Oh yeah. That whole thing. Um, <laughs> we, we were busy being at Benzinga. Yeah. There was this little uh, thing where the safer banking uh, got out through the, uh, the banking committee vote with some amendments, um, so basically, this was a procedural process that needed to happen uh, in order to get closer to an actual Senate floor vote. So nothing has passed yet, but that was that was a very big deal. Um, you know, that's the first time we've actually been able to get something progressing in the Senate ever in 10 years. You know, it's gone through the House, what, eight times. Um, so that was a big deal. You know, everyone's just kind of like biting their nails because there's there's certainly the political machinations are, are underway here where there's positioning and, and rhetoric and, you know, about how many things are going to get added or, or how, you know, from the Democrat side and how the Republicans are saying no more and, um, or else we'll kill the bill. And, you know what I mean? So there's just mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you can feel tension. I'm sure that uncertainty is pushing into potentially the, the public market sentiment a little bit, cooling it because, you know, this is not a sure thing. Um, you know, for those that are potentially new to cannabis, uh, there is no sure thing in D.C., uh, period. So the work has to keep happening. We never stop, uh, you know. And so, uh, but yeah, but it was a big deal. I know some of our industry friends like Brady Cobb uh, was there on site to, to witness it. Um, so um, I'm sure he felt some really great energy just seeing that because, you know, he's been a longtime advocate and, and trying to yeah. push for um, federal reform. So. Um, that that was good. That was a good day for sure. Um, just do you, you see it know. passing? Do you see this passing in the Senate? Uh, the problem is, I don't. I don't think we're done seeing all the different flavors. Um, so it could get killed. Still, unfortunately, there's a support there now. If we don't muddy it up, um, you know, I've I've been a long fan of wanting to see capital markets. Included, if you're talking about banking reform, you want to see comprehensive banking reform or, or more complete banking reform. Um, that doesn't seem like that's tenable, um, just like some of these other um, potential justice reforms. Um, you know, the, the Republican counterpoint is that they don't think that this is should be in a, in a banking bill. Um, so there's a, there, like, so there's a lot of tension in this. Um, so if they can just keep it down the fairway, um, it does seem like we have the support. What is more concerning is we just see the volatility in the house, you know, uh, you know, this weekend we, we got that 45 day spending bill extension to keep the government funded. Uh, but immediately following, uh, representative Gates, you know, is now calling for the termination of, of Senator or, um, 
McCarthy, uh, House Speaker McCarthy, um, all of this to me is just saying 45 days are going to come and go and the House is not going to be in any better position uh, mm -hmm. than where we are today, mm -hmm. even if we do get through the Senate. Agreed. You, you, you want to go? I have a couple more questions yeah. for Morgan. No, no. Um, so, so yeah. you know, for me, I'm, I'm looking at this timeline, right? You know, 10 years for anything to happen for, for major legislation. I've heard that from Reggie Bobbin. Uh, we heard it from Cory Gardner on stage in Chicago mm -hmm. last week, right? And we're right at that 10-year mark, uh, or at least coming up, right, uh, when it comes to actually working on Capitol Hill. You know, my one concern there is, is the voice of cannabis is still a bit – um, discombobulated. You know, there's a lot of different voices approaching these senators, a lot of different lobbyists approaching these senators. Is there one strong voice pushing us forward? Is there one victory uh, or one person that's driving us to, to victory here? <laughs> you know, at least making incremental change at the very least? Uh, I mean, this, this is a great question because this has been a battle for 10 years, right? I mean, we've been at this for 10 years as well. And um, this is trying to get our industry on one voice has been incredibly challenging. Um, everyone thinks that they should have their own lobbyists that's spewing what they want. Uh, you know, we used to have like five different um, uh, advocacy groups and they were all arguing for different things. Um, the big problem is, is it, you know, for much of the last 10 years is our industry didn't really know what it wanted to be when it grew up. So the arguments in DC were all very different. Um, and that's really hard because it's, it's hard for any elected official to get confidence around any particular matter if they hear five or ten different arguments about what is what is the pressing need. Um, and this is why, you know, one of the reasons my position has been that we will see something other than federal reform happen first. And, and you know, that's why, like this summer, the HHS review coming out is a perfect example of something other than uh, than, like, say, banking reform getting done. Um, it's hard enough to get politicians to act on something and it's hard enough or even harder when we as an industry are not clear on what we want. Um, and it's tough because this is what happens to us is we get so ground down. Um, this is how we end up with bad tax policy. And, you know, this is a similar concern for folks is if we get so ground down, we just are like, give us anything. And that's not a good solution. Um, so it is, it is a bit frustrating that our industry cannot get alignment. Um, you know, there are some good groups um, starting to coalesce um, and there's always going to be the periphery that's going to have their own counterpoints or, or potential, um, you know, separate noise making machines, so to speak. But we're trying to get a good group together. Emily and um, I won't name names yet until they get things more clarified, but they are trying to, you know, get a good solid group to try to reduce the amount of variables at play in D.C. Nice. You know, I got a question from the chat from AH. Uh, he's asking, is cannabis becoming just like any other commodity at this point? It feels like corn or any other grain to me. Uh, I think it's a great point. Uh, you know, I'm not bullish on cultivation. I think there's way too much cultivation mm -hmm. um, already in so many different markets. I mean, just uh, I know, uh, Javi, you, you guys just covered a good story today about a very well-funded group that's building out another, what, million square feet in Coachella? Yeah. Um, um, you know, so we, that's going to put some good, with, Yes. And so, you know, you think about how much capacity Glasshouses already has and they're doubling it. And then you look at if this uh, Leaf Brands gets fully funded, that's another million square feet on top of um, the already existing massive amounts of square footage. There's no interstate commerce coming for any known amount of time. So building all of that capacity ahead of it is just going to put a lot of pressure on pricing. Um, that's why we're not bullish on it. We think access and retail uh, via retail is much more interesting. Uh, we need more 
uh, we need tax relief, you know, this HHS hopefully getting through the DEA to get 280E out of here and put some sensible tax policy so that these companies can get back to investing in R&D and new product innovation um, so that we can have new form factors and new ways of consuming cannabis um, such that there is better pricing. Um, you know, if you think about the wine industry, you think about the beer industry, you think about these other industries that have commodity inputs, but they still have pricing power via brands and via delivery. And that's something our industry needs to um, get back to being able to evolve on. But we've just been in this, you know, the safety mode for so long in cash conservation, we haven't been able to invest in that. You know, I got one last one. Is uh, I want you to take on two news items to, uh, from today. One is uh, Verano Holding is uh, looking to list on the New York Exchange, and the other one is uh, Too Big Capital raises by Aurora Cannabis and Curaleaf Holdings. Aurora is ACB and Curaleaf is C U R L F. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Verano's move to CBOE is is potentially a part of. There was a, a piece this weekend. Well, I'm sure it's been longer than this, obviously. But, uh, you know, as a good data point was this short report or this port, report that was that came out about just exposing how much naked shorting and abuse that goes on on the CSC. There's little to no regulation in Canada. So it is kind of the Wild West. Um, you know, we've been managing through that market forever. It's brutal. Um, at the same time, you know, those kind of gyrations, I think there's a over time those get arbitraged out and, and you know, just market pricing or, or you know, fundamentals matter. Um you know, you got to have, so I had a good friend say once, you know, liquidity cuts both ways. So going to a listed exchange is, is great if you've got the fundamentals, but yeah. it can actually compound your problems if, uh, we've if seen, you don't have yeah. the fundamentals. Yeah, so. we've seen it again and again. A lot of companies going public, you know, expecting to leverage the capital markets or maybe the hype and, and you ultimately getting under a lot more scrutiny and you know they, they debuted it at, at prices like eight dollars and now they're at 40 cents right <laughs> exactly because you're right you bring you bring more institutional capital to the table and they will do the work so mm-hmm. um you know interesting with aurora and well cure leaf was um from our perspective was as expected uh you know boris has been talking about the intention to potentially list on the tsx Uh, JW, Terrison, they already did this. They did a capital raise around needing that list or, you know, sub, uh, satisfying the TSX. So Cureleaf doing that. Um, I was actually, what I was surprised about was why they didn't raise more. If you're going to go through the process of doing an equity offering, why only raise the minimum amount? Um, right now, there's they're still having, I know it's shrinking, but there still is better volumes than we've seen in a long time. They need more equity capital, at least from my perspective. Um, so if you're going to go hit the equity markets, do it. Uh, so that was the only thing I thought was interesting was why they only raised the, the basically what was required. Um, you know, Aurora to me is kind of just like a, a financial engineering company at the moment. Like I don't really see what a core business is. So I know they've been very focused on resolving all of their um, convertible indebtedness by diluting via the equity issuance. And they've now largely accomplished that. So maybe now that they've done that, we can actually see if there's, Uh, a vision of building a real business there. I can't get over financial yeah. engineering. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh no no shots fired there. That was just uh just talking. Just two guys talking, three guys talking. Um <laughs> so I will say worth clarifying Cebo Canada is not uh Cebo at, at at this point in time. <laughs> We all want it to be Cebo directly, but it's just not yet. So it is the Neo Sock exchange that was acquired mm-hmm. by by Cebo that Veron was looking toward. Um 
with that said, you know, I think worth keeping an eye on ancillary IPOs. iSpire, I'm looking at their chart in total since April of this year. I mean, they're up and, and decently. Um, you know, maybe that's a good sign of good things to come, at least for adjacent companies to join us. That said, Morgan, we're going to pick this up next week, man. Always a great conversation, but uh, we got to get to our next guest. But really appreciate your insights as always. El Guapo Throne 4000, always appreciate you. An interesting point uh, in the chat. Uh, but Morgan, appreciate you, man. We will see you again in one week from today. See you. Here's, here's something that's funny, actually. You bring up iSpire, ISPR on the NASDAQ. They're up since their debut 20.4%. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, not for 20, but it's 20.4. I mean, they are not plant touching, of course, right? They are an end user technology for the cannabis space. Uh, they did win the award for that oh, also, yeah. just FYI. Oh, yeah. Cannabis Capital Award winner, iSpire uh, Technologies. But, I mean, they are running a good business, right? So keep an eye on them. We were all very bullish on ancillary stocks before the market crash in AgriFi and Akerna, RIP, uh, you know, in, in some of these other stocks. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, it's uh, I, I think we should start taking a look again at those stocks. I mean, iSpire is mostly performing mm-hmm. yeah outperforming definitely out yeah no financial here. advice here gotta say it all that said javi let's get to somebody who's pr- he's got to be way cooler than us he's working for a cannabis beverage company uh with that Demolition. said please welcome phil mcfarlane from wink beverages with a y wink with a y hello hello phil how are you I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. My whole screen froze, but I heard you, so thank you for speaking first. Um, but Phil, great to have you with us, man. Uh, you know, as we start with every guest here, you know, you can give us a little bit about your background because I do think it's super interesting. But I, I want to go right in uh, to mm-hmm. the point here. Uh, and Wink is a Delta Nine beverage company, correct? Yeah. We have Wink THC drinks in dispensary channel and also mainstream retail where we're able. So it's both. a seltzer with a wink of THC. There it is. Thank you so much. I <laughs> said it better myself. You know, with your background, you can you can maybe uh, help fill in the gaps here. You've worked in beer. You've worked in, in main in very large cannabis companies. Um, can you make the case for us uh, for for D nine beverages? Uh, you know, in in complement to the to the marijuana space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the thing that's haunted, like everybody's a big believer in beverage broadly as you know, a thing that helps bring the category into the mainstream. I think the thing that's hurt that or slowed that is we've had a bit of a product market mismatch. Like a person who wants a two and a half milligram or a five milligram beverage may not be willing to go at a dispensary where you know historically they've only been available. So if those products can go and find those consumers where they are, which is not the dispensary, um, but another age-gated retail, you know, becomes a huge unlock. Great. And just can you just give us a little sense of of your background uh, and you know where you come from in the beverage space and the cannabis space? Sure. Yeah, I've been working in I guess you could call them adult consumables really my whole career. Worked on Marlboro USA at Leo Burnett right out of college. Um, worked in craft beer, craft spirits for a long time, including about five years at a big supplier here in Chicago called Half Acre Beer Company. Um, beloved Daisy Cutter brand. And then the last three years I spent at Canopy Growth, 
working in the innovation team, uh, managing our new product ecosystem. You know, we were lucky at Canopy to have a huge roster of really talented, really bright researchers. And my job was basically to find the cool things they discovered and figure out how to commercialize them. So super interesting, super fun work. I would like to 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 hear a little bit more about Wink, right? And 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 maybe the decision behind the dosing, right? Um yeah. I am personally a fan of low doses. I think 2.5 milligrams in a can is perfect. Uh, because that is actually my dose. People tell me, oh no, five milligrams is fine, it's too much for me. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, many of our guests, when we ask them about dosing, they're going in the opposite direction. They're, they're doing 100 milligram edibles. And, and when we ask them, they say, well, that's what, what really is, that, that's what the demand is really, right? People are looking for high doses for value. So when, mm -hmm. wh why do you go in the opposite direction? Well, I'll answer two ways. One is we have a separate brand called Countdown, which is, you know, 25, 50, 100 milligram dispensary channel oriented. And, you know, the interesting thing about Countdown is it is high potency, but it also tastes great. And, you know, I've had a lot of those high potency things. You, you kind of choke them down to get the buzz. They don't taste great. And I think that's a place where Warehouse really wins is, you know, we can deliver that high dose also with great flavor. Um, Wink has always been meant to be more of a can of curious entry level consumer product proposition. So we have a two and a half milligram and we have a five. And, you know, I don't think wink as a brand should really go higher than that you know you can't really have a wink of thc at more than five milligrams <laughs> and you know that being the case wink is really the product that we're using to go into mainstream you know age-gated retail liquor license retail touche touche now i'm gonna say something that is literally every guest's least favorite thing to hear pull out All your right. crystal ball for me phil um i i like to get a little sense of your your thoughts on where specifically Delta nine beverages will end. Cause I think, I, I think you can be bullish. I think you'd be optimistic right now with what's happening around the space with can, you know, jumping into the space, um, you know, with um, cycling frog picking up steam, you know, with you all picking up steam, I, I think there are legitimate products out there. However, you know, there is, I would imagine some you're being grouped in, uh, in lobbying efforts to probably ban in, in certain states, uh, to, you're probably meeting obstacles on the political front to be, um, you know, legitimized and and regulated. Where do you think uh, this beverage category will end up? Will it be mainstream? Will it be a part of the everyday uh, thought process along with alcohol, along with ma marijuana, um, you know, and other CPG products in the same category? Yeah, sure. The one thing I'd love to sort of reinforce is that the Delta 9 THC molecule, it's the same. If it comes from hemp or if it comes from marijuana, it's really just about how much you get per plant. So we're not talking about like a dramatically different end goal or, you know, end effect. It's really about what hemp derived the access to market that that allows. And, you know, I'm a believer that allowing these products into market in the way they have maybe in a state like Minnesota, are you all familiar with the regulations in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've codified up to five milligrams, I think maybe 10 um, hemp derived available through mainstream age gated retail, like liquor licensed retail, more than 10 milligrams marijuana derived, that'll go into their, um, you know, adult use recreational market to come next year. And so that kind of a framework to us makes a ton of sense. We think it's replicatable. You know, they're getting the tax base for cannabis extended through doing that, all kinds of good reasons for cannabis regulators to look at that as a model. Um, 
And so we take a lot of stock, a lot of heart in seeing that succeed. And then, you know, part of our job is to communicate what's possible to other markets, other states to point out this example of, you know, how Minnesota has worked as an example of what good looks like. Um, One other thought to add, you know, the thing that's exciting for me is we get deeper into this space. You know, we get more distributors on side, we get more retailers on side, we get more consumers on side. And the PR message, the lobbying, whatever you want to call it, you know, it's not just a raft of suppliers saying like, hey, we'd like to do this thing. Suddenly you've got this, you know, industry of distributors, retailers, consumers who are also seeing the benefits, happy to have it on their shelves, happy to be able to pick it up at their local store. Quick question from the chat from El Guapo Throne. Um, you know, basically interested, I think, in, in your process. Right. You know what? That is great. I know. Right. From seed to seltzer. Give us a sense of of the process. Maybe maybe more specifically um, how similar or how different it is from somebody who would do this, uh, you know, in kind of a marijuana THC beverage. Sounds like it's very similar. It's identical. Full stop. Uh, The only difference is, you know, the THC input and the the COA that's attached to that. So otherwise, you know, we're, we're creating an emulsion with a partner, blending that in with our flavor system and packaging. Uh, the other advantage you have with hemp derived is you are able to centralize manufacture so you can get a little bit more of a true kind of beverage scale business um, with the ability to ship across state lines, which is huge. Yeah, I have one more question, Javi. I promise I'll let you talk again. Um, so, Phil, can you talk to me a little bit about, you know, do be- are beverages going to be mainly recreational or is there a wellness aspect to them um i know there's a social aspect to them but you know when i think about um you know cbd or or cbn or cbg you think about that wellness Mm -hmm. right you think about the cannabinoids um Mm -hmm. in in delta 9 hemp it really just seems pretty primarily social uh is that would you say that's accurate i would but i would say and like we literally talk about this in our brand communications that being social is part of wellness, you know, especially coming off COVID. People want to see people. They want to hang out. You might want to get a little buzz on a Wednesday night and not wake up feeling foggy from having a few cocktails Thursday morning. Um, so I do think, you know, there's a social component, a wellness component to that social night out where you can enjoy yourself. You can have those connections, but, you know, not have that bill come due first thing in the next morning when your alarm goes off. That's perfect. Can you paint a picture for for you know those those newbies interested in in, in wink, right? Like, what what's the experience like, right? What what, what yeah. does one wink feel like? I mean, the the easiest way to describe one wink is it's very similar to one beer or one glass of wine or one cocktail. Like everybody kind of grew up, you know, the one glass of wine, the shot, the beer. That's a serving, two and a half milligram dose. I would say it's a serving, and you know nobody's getting ripped off one can of Miller Lite you won't off one can of wink. Um, you know, and I think that's the other nice thing about social doses, lower doses, is the consumption is the journey. You know, I'm not just choking down five ounce bottle of not great tasting 100 milligram to get the buzz. Like the consumption with my friends and family is part of the experience. And then I'm curious as to how the, you know, your customers are, are, are looking to, to access this beverage, right? Is, is most, are most of the sales coming from traditional retail or online ordering? Like what, what are we seeing there, right? Because there's two separate trends, right? Uh, and, and I imagine uh, anyone who, who is already used to drinking Wink will order online. It's just easy. It's comfortable. It tends to be a little bit more affordable even, uh, you know, free shipping arrives at home, but, but, but 
maybe a lot of people walking into a bodega or whatever and seeing this THC drink and going like, oh, wow, for real? Like, this, there's weed here? Right. <laughs> like, how's the makeup of that? So, I mean, I think the second part of your question about people going into a, bode a bodega and finding it there, like, that's a huge education burden that we've got to carry, you know, like we have to educate the retailer, we have to educate distributors, and they have to help us educate the consumer of what this is, how to consume it, how to fit it into their life, uh, why it's okay, why it's legal for it to be in the store for them to have it in their home. Uh, so we do a lot of work around that, especially as we launch new markets. And then to your question about DTC, you know, versus mainstream retail, it really comes down to our ability, like how quickly can we open markets and, you know, be on shelf relative to how quickly we can add states that are now available DTC. And, you know, the, the lift of opening a market, getting on shelf, engaging retailers, all the things that come with, you know, a traditional market launch, it's a big lift. So, you know, much easier to add states direct to consumer, but, you know, being present in the marketplace is the ultimate goal. Can I, now, I don't have direct um, knowledge when it comes to this for Wink, so, you know, feel free to fill me in. Um, but looking at other Delta 9, uh, THC beverages, it, it it's expensive, right? You know, it's it's not cheap, and maybe it's the expensive the, the expensive nature of the process, uh, the expensive nature uh, of maybe uh, more eyes on you. I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but obviously, comparing it to beer, a 12 pack of beer can sometimes be, you know, eight bucks. You know, at the right place. You know, maybe more nowadays. Everything's more expensive nowadays. Um, but when it comes to replacing that with THC beverages, I feel like we have some pricing work to do. Um, is that accurate? And do you think that's in the near future? Agree. They're expensive. And I would, you know, I, I think about it in terms of an adoption curve. And we're still kind of on that like narrow innovator, early adopter part of the curve, getting closer to, you know, mm -hmm. kind of jumping to mainstream. Um but I think those consumers, that early adopter, that curious consumers may be willing to pay a premium. They probably did for craft spirits. They probably did for craft beer. They probably did for their first iPhone. You know, there, there's like a certain consumer that is okay with that. Uh, but ultimately, price will be a barrier to full mainstream acceptance. And I think as a category, we'll have to crack that one for sure. I'm not sure. I can't tell you how fast we will, though. I'll, I'll be, I'll these, be are, these are going for like four bucks each, right? Like... That single, yeah, well, like I said, I don't have direct knowledge of Wink, so uh, yeah, I'm no, not yeah, quite like, sure like there. Like a six pack is 25 bucks, a 12 pack is like 45 bucks or something. Like, to me, they, that sounds price, like cheaper price, than a beer. They price no, comparatively to like a not. fancy double IPA. It's more like a double IPA price than like a Miller Lite 12 pack price. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I well, and I, but I think like to reach that consumer that isn't looking for cannabis. Right. You know, I think pricing will be the issue, but you know, Javi's your, your consumer. So Phil market directly to the Javier's of the world. Dude, it's totally fine. I, I, like honestly, yeah. I, like a bottle of wine is like 20 bucks. Right. And it'll probably do like two servings, three days. You know, it's, it's basically the same price. Did you say two servings? How big is your glass, Javi? No, two servings is in two days, right? Like you, I feel like we just learned you, something. Here. You do yeah, like no. you, you do like half one day, you know, with with your partner, and then the other day you do the other. You're talking about two of you for two days, okay? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Honestly, Javier, I was like, his glasses must be huge in Argentina. No, that's um, uh, <laughs> I will shout out El Guapo here in the chat. He makes a valid point. Shipping liquid is expensive. Yes. It's heavy. Mm -hmm. That is a piece of it. Um, but again, as we get into mainstream retail, where 
you get the benefit of scale, well, I think we'll see that price come down. You no, know, it's true though. Like I've ordered beer a few times from just from like um, breweries where I'm, you know, like I just, I miss it. Like I don't live in Manhattan anymore and I had access to some phenomenal Brooklyn breweries. So I was like, I ordered a few for my buddies and it was like 60 bucks <laughs> and it was not cheap. So, you know what, uh, you know, maybe worry is, is put to bed a little bit there. Um, yeah. Awesome. So Phil, anything else, man, that you feel like the audience should understand, should know um, about you guys, about the industry that you all work in and, and how exciting it really is. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'd love to add is I, I perceive a little bit of tension between marijuana and hemp and MSOs and, you know, some of this Delta nine action. And, you know, the thing I do believe is if this works and we're able to bring Delta nine beverages into the mainstream, we have effectively grown the pie of people who are aware of and interested in and engaged with cannabis. And some portion of those people are going to go back to a dispensary in search of a higher dose product or a pre-roll or whatever it may be. Cause I think that's, you know, from my time at canopy, was one of the biggest struggles in Canada was like, you know, the percent of population engaged with the category wasn't mm -hmm. growing. It was yeah. kind of serving this fixed original populace and we weren't, you know, making the pie bigger. So we're all just fighting for smaller slices of the same pie. Mm. Mm. And I do think if we can crack this thing, you know, this becomes part of that moment that really tips it over into the mainstream where people are like, sure, yeah. cannabis is fine. I consume cannabis this way. You consume cannabis another way. Um, so I think that's what we have to offer. That's what I'm I excited agree. about. No, and ease of, ease of access is everything, right? Even people who are interested in cannabis, you know, sometimes find it like a hassle to go to a dispensary, right? I fly into yeah. whatever, Chicago, New York, whatever. And maybe there isn't a dispensary within walking distance of my hotel, or I don't feel like it, or I don't have the time or whatever. But there's always like a 7-Eleven or something right around the corner, a CVS, mm -hmm. right? So you had like you're also appealing again to, to all that audience of people who are not necessarily looking to go to the farmer's market to buy their vegetables, right? It's like, right. You, you know, specialty retail does become more burdensome than randomly walking into any store and getting what you, what you're looking for. Well, and I also think specialty retail will always have a place. Like there's always going to be a consumer who wants dynamite flour, who wants great concentrates, who wants, you know, these more high end high potency products like that will always exist. So I also don't think, you know, this isn't taking away from that. This is adding to the pool mm -hmm. of people who might be interested in that. Yeah. I live in North Carolina and I got to tell you, I get excited every time I get to go to a brewery and drink, you know, right at the brewery. Yeah. It's phenomenal. What, what do you like from Brooklyn? What was the brewery you're getting shipped? Just oh, Grim, man. Give me some Grim mm. all day long. There's uh nice. oh, there's, there was this really good one called Sumo in a Sidecar. I miss Love it. it. I miss it. I'll send you the flavor guy, profile. You know? I'll send yeah. you the flavor profile and maybe we can get some wink action on that. <laughs> um, but all that said, Phil. Alcoholic THC yeah. IPA. I'm, I'm saying, right. man. Uh, right. Maybe get some West Coast style in there. Phil, yeah. it's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate you coming on. Very insightful, very educational. Um, you know, and, and looking forward to trying some wink. I, I'm going to go on and, and order some. Maybe we'll do a product review in the next few weeks. Uh, but regardless, appreciate you bringing some knowledge to us, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Phil. I'll talk soon. All right, Javi. That was a great discussion, man. Honestly, yeah. I learned a few things. You know, kind of it's interesting to get the the perspective of the executives, um, you know, in these brands on the hemp side and really just THC beverage side, I guess is a more appropriate thing to say. Um, but it, it it is insightful and I think they have a, a way forward here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 obsessed with this setup, by the way. The microphone and the good camera. Javi, are you gonna move to Detroit? I don't know. I, this is, I this mean, is like we so have been questioning his life. Like
we have him questioning his life and he is uh, he is questioning it so if, well if I were done to move anywhere in america it would be detroit or you know i love your love for detroit not me i'm good I'm straight. I'm solid. Uh, but that said, I am bummed. I'm not there right now to see you. Yeah. Um, everybody, check out bzcannabis.com for tickets to our Florida event, April 15th through the 17th. We will be at the Diplomat in Hollywood, Florida. We already have a ton of companies signed yeah. up. Some politicians we already have saying, set. Uh, I got my my uh, tickets already. You know, you saw you, oh, yeah. you any of the, these emails today. Um, I I have man. They yeah. they come directly to my email. <laughs> um, so if you buy really? a ticket, I'm gonna see you it. You check your email daily, I, dude, every day, all day, wow. every day. My email is <laughs> right in front of me. Um, all that said, El Guapo Throne, always appreciate you. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday at one. Love the engagement in the chat. Thank you. Uh, to our friend Alice Moon for setting up this interview with Phil. Thank you to Phil for being here, and thank you to Morgan for all of his insights all the time. With that being said, Javier. Thank you to you and your team of writers for making Benzinga Cannabis what it is. And make sure you go read their news at Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Last words to you, yeah. my brother. No, I'm good, man. You you nailed it. Mr. Lane, you killed it with the uh, Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference agenda and setting everything we up. Did. And uh, again, we'll see you in Hollywood, Florida on April 16th and 17th at The Diplomat. BCCannabis.com to get your tickets. They will never be more affordable. You can always change them for a different event. As Jason said, you can resell them. But keep in mind, now ticket resellers will be taxed. They get their own kind of 280E as of next year. But um, I mean, maybe as they should, maybe not, depending on your participation in it. Uh, That being said, I just went through a resale process through tickets, ticket center, and it was terrible. I hated every part of that. Uh, I'm never doing that again. (laughs) Um, All that said, appreciate everybody for dropping in. We will see you again on Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Same bad time, same bad channel, same bad place. Until then, have a phenomenal week. Peace.